Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. Are you dynamically alive for this precious truth? Nobody has ever received so much as we have. We need dynamically alive people to support this work. Philadelphia Church of God Pastor General Gerald Flurry wrote this statement in the July-August 2023 Royal Vision magazine. In an article titled Revelation and the Key of David, I urge you to get a free subscription to Royal Vision at thetrumpet.com. No cost, no follow-up, just a lot of spiritual enrichment from that magazine, Royal Vision. Anyway, Mr. Fleury wrote this in basically a commentary about the Sardis church era of God's one true church. And the Sardis era (laughs) was not dynamically alive. Notice Revelation 3 verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he that has the seven spirits of God, And the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name that you live and are dead. The Sardis era of God's church had the proper name. They called themselves the church of God. And yet spiritually they were dead. For us to learn how to be dynamically alive, we can learn a lot from studying the spiritually dead Sardis church era. This church era actually goes back hundreds of years. There's a fascinating history recorded for you in the true history of God's true church. You can get a free copy of the true history of God's true church at thetrumpet.com. Mr. Flurry wrote this book. Chapter 8 is titled, A Few Names in Sardis. And this history goes back to 1315. The true church was struggling in Europe. A man named Walter Lollard moved from Holland to England in 1315. The church did take root there, but the persecution was strong. God's true church for 2,000 years has been savagely persecuted by a great false counterfeit church. The Roman Catholic church is still going strong today and still trying to convince people not to read the Bible and to let their leaders interpret the Bible for them. 
But it's not just the Roman Catholic Church, as we learn from the history of the Sardis Church era. A lot of other false churches and, and false groups persecuted God's true church. Page 151 of the true history of God's true church. Mr. Fleury writes, Christ had promised that the church would never die. But here in Revelation 3, he said, the Sardis era would eventually die spiritually. Revelation 3 verse 1 shows that for a while, Sardis had works. It had a name that thou livest, the name of the church of God against which the gates of hell would never prevail, Matthew 16, verse 18. Eventually, though, this era did die, and Christ had to raise up a new era. That's just the sad reality of Sardis. Revelation 3 continues with the description of the Sardis era all the way from verse 1 through verse 6. Notice verse 4, you have a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. There are a few names from the Sardis church era that stayed loyal no matter what, no matter the intensity of the persecution they faced. But this was one of the hardest things ever to do in church history. Staying loyal in the face of death so much of the time. You can understand why a lot of church members fled when it was time to fight. It was literally a matter of life and death physically and even spiritually. But it's very hard to look past physical death and understand that it means nothing compared to eternal life. In the heat of the moment, when you're about to die physically, will you stand and fight? It's so much easier said than done. During the Sardis Church era, the printing press was invented. Johannes Gutenberg's printing press making the Holy Bible available to millions of people. This was a huge development in the history of God's church. And yet, sadly, the Sardis church era did not do enough with this incredible technological advantage. Page 156 of the True History of God's True Church. God truly does love the world. He gave the Sardis era members of his church the most important piece of communications technology of all time. Not only could the Bible be printed and multiplied, it could also be explained by means of the printed word. So you can print the Bible. You can print church literature like we do today, expounding on the truth of the Bible as revealed by God to one man. But Sardis did, just did not do enough with the printing press. They could have really disseminated God's truth and made a bigger mark than they did, but they were spiritually dead. 
besides those few names that held fast. Page 157 shows that there were a lot of compromises leading to the Sabbath day being stamped out in Scandinavia around 1618. That's always been a problem for God's church. The deadly contagion of compromise. Keeping Sunday publicly, but Saturday privately for fear of persecution. Wanting to look normal to the world while secretly trying to obey God. Page 157 says the majority of God's church was worn out. It's so easy to get tired when we're persecuted. But the persecution, like I mentioned, didn't just come from Rome. It came from the Protestant movement. It came from the Puritans. It came from the Baptists. It came from the Quakers. Persecution rained down during the Sardis era from all sides. Page 159, Mr. Fleury writes, during the first several decades of the 1600s, it was still illegal to hold Sabbath services. That's talking about in England there. Can you imagine that? In recent times, <laughs> thankfully, we have been blessed with a lot more religious freedom. We can attend the Sabbath and maybe our neighbors might think it's a little strange that we leave our homes at the same time each Saturday, dressed in our nicest clothes, and don't come back home until hours later. But even if our neighbors might think that's a little bit strange, that's usually the worst we have to deal with. Maybe a boss is a little bit slow to give us Friday sunset to Saturday sunset off of work. But we're not going to be put to death for keeping the Sabbath, which was happening in the Sardis church era. Continuing on page 159 of the true history of God's true church, public preaching and worship were life-threatening activities. Imagine that. Do we really appreciate the freedom to worship God the way he commands? the freedom to gather for Bible studies and Sabbath services to hear God's truth without being hassled by the authorities. If we had to go underground just to keep the Sabbath, we'd probably appreciate the Sabbath more just knowing how hard it is to do. But today we have it pretty easy. We still need to make sure that we keep the Sabbath day holy and make the most of it and really spend our day praying, studying, fellowshipping with the brethren, meditating, rejoicing on the Sabbath the way that God expects, resting physically while, while laboring spiritually. Page 159, thanks to Walter Lollard, like I mentioned earlier, who moved from Holland to England in 1315. Thanks to him, hundreds knew that an individual had to be fully immersed in water to be truly baptized. Thousands had learned that the world's religious holidays came directly from paganism. 
many learned that Sunday was not God's true Sabbath. Much of Sardis's early growth came from teaching about the Sabbath. That's, that's talking about in the 1500s and 1600s, teaching the truth about the Sabbath. The fourth commandment, the test commandment for all of us, the commandment that makes us stand out from the world. It's hard to hide Sabbath observance. Are we delighting in the Sabbath day? Do we keep it without shame, without worrying what others will think of us? This book explains how the Puritans strongly advocated Sunday worship. And even when God's true church moved over to the new world, over to the American colonies, Puritans persecuted the church there as well. The brethren not only compromised by publicly keeping the, sun, the, the day of Sunday and privately keeping the Sabbath, they also compromised by having people who disagreed with true doctrine just attending services with them. They thought it was tolerant and loving to associate with those who were propagating spiritual poison. It's a matter of eternal life and eternal death. And including spiritual pagans in our worship of God, will not end well. Page 163 of The True History of God's True Church. Mr. Fleury writes, God's church was to survive in the new world. The establishment of the American Sardis Church enabled a few to remain true during this embattled and weakened fifth era. Roger Williams established the colony of Rhode Island in 1643. The laws of Rhode Island were established in 1647. Rhode Island was the first place in the entire world to guarantee freedom of religion. And sure enough, God's true church would Find a presence there. In 1664, Stephen Mumford uh, went from London, England to Rhode Island. He kept the Sabbath day. There were not any other Sabbath keepers in Rhode Island at the time. But some of the Sunday keepers became convinced that they should also keep the Sabbath and so in 1671, the very first Sabbath-keeping congregation in America was founded. They met in private homes at first, but eventually their numbers grew and they had enough congregations to cover several states, Rhode Island, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. An exciting development in the history of God's true church. Even some of Rhode Island's governors were Sabbath keepers. So the truth was spreading, especially about the Sabbath day. But the persecution remained. The first Baptist 
church, the main church in Rhode Island was persecuting members of the true church of God because they didn't agree with Sabbath observance. These Baptist ministers would attack Stephen Mumford's teaching about the Sabbath day and the Ten Commandments. The Sabbath keepers and God's people would, of course, stand their ground. And it was a pretty fiery back and forth in Rhode Island. But thankfully, despite the disagreement, at least they would not be put to death in Rhode Island because of religious freedom. Religious freedom protected those in the new world from being put to death. The congregations in America kept the annual holy days, it looks like. They did grow. But again, the growth was very limited because the church era was so spiritually weak and really spiritually dead. Notice what it says on page 169 of the True History of God's True Church. The inherent weakness of the Sardis era was the lack of true spiritual repentance and conversion in the majority of people claiming membership with the church. Thus, they had little conviction to uphold God's great truths. You see, they kept the Sabbath because they agreed with it doctrinally, but they didn't really allow God to change their hearts and minds. And they didn't really commit to a new and better way of life, leaving sin behind and walking with Christ. They didn't really receive God's Holy Spirit and use it in their spiritual fight. And because they were not truly, deeply converted and committed, they allowed false ministers to creep in and draw people away. The Seventh-day Adventist movement actually started in a Sunday-keeping church, but then those Seventh-day Adventists eventually did move over to associating with the true church of God, and some heresy arose among the Adventists, and some members of the true church of God ended up following them. That was in the late 1800s. There were just a faithful few who did not go along with the deception of the Seventh-day Adventists. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, God's church in the Sardis era lost the true form of government. Page 172 says the church was organized into a democratic-like general conference where votes were counted. A great deal of God's precious truth was lost. So some faithful farmers and church members went up to the Willamette Valley in Oregon. They kept the name of the true church, the church of God. They faithfully kept the Sabbath day. And they just needed ministers to teach them. Mr. Armstrong, the late Herbert W. Armstrong, the founder of the Worldwide Church of God, the man God used to move on from the Sardis era into the Philadelphia era, 
Mr. Armstrong wrote in Mystery of the Ages, God's church had come a long way across the turbulent centuries since the day of Pentecost. It was weak and lacked influence. Years of persecution and compromise had taken their toll. Much truth had been lost, but they had stayed the course. In the Willamette Valley, they waited. It was nearly time for the baton to change again into the hands of those God would call to do his end time work. You see, the Sardis church era was spiritually dead. So many of them fell away due to false teachings and persecution. But the few who kept the Sabbath, the few who remained loyal and ready to be taught, were going to be able to transfer over into the Philadelphia era of the church if they followed Mr. Armstrong as Mr. Armstrong followed Christ. The Sardis church era had an opportunity to receive truth from God through Mr. Armstrong, and yet they never really accepted the truth. Mr. Armstrong interacted with them from 1927 all the way through to 1947. So for 20 years, Mr. Armstrong had contact with the Church of God in the Sardis era. He presented a manuscript that later became the United States and Britain in Prophecy. And yet church leaders in Sardis, headquartered at Stanbury, Missouri, rejected it. They knew it was true, but they didn't think the brethren would go along with it, so they rejected the United States and Britain in prophecy. The master key that unlocks all Bible prophecy. This is back in the Royal Vision of July-August 2023 that I quoted at the beginning. Mr. Armstrong first showed the Sardis ministry a minor point where they were wrong, and he was sure of it. They responded, Mr. Armstrong, you were right, this is true, but our people won't accept that. There's no way we can use it right now because of the people. So they decided to continue to preach error. That began to disillusion Mr. Armstrong. Then he wrote a 300-page manuscript of what became the United States and Britain in prophecy. He sent a letter asking for their feedback. About six months later, they responded with words to this effect. Mr. Armstrong, you are right, and we know that that was revealed to you by God. God surely had a special reason for revealing that, but we cannot use it at this time, and later maybe God will use it. The United States and Britain in prophecy was some of the greatest revelation God has given this church in the end time, yet they rejected it, even though they could see it was revealed from God. That's a big problem. That is why the Sardis era was spiritually dead. That is why they didn't do a big, powerful work for God, like Mr. Armstrong did in the Philadelphia era. They were not empowered by God's Spirit. They did not truly repent. They did not hold fast to the truth, despite heresy and persecution. Only a few names kept their garments spiritually clean and pure. 
And so it's no wonder that God had to move on from the spiritually dead Sardis era. We can learn a lot from this history. We can learn how to be dynamically alive. Again, Mr. Fleury wrote in this royal vision, we need dynamically alive people to support this work. That means we need to be truly repentant. We need to pray hard and study hard and attend Bible study and Sabbath services. We need to value the Sabbath day, value the Ten Commandments and all of God's precious truth. We need to understand where revelation comes from, straight from the throne of God, delivered to us by one man at a time. It was Mr. Armstrong, now it's Mr. Flurry today. And we need to go where God's man goes, as long as that man is following Christ. This Sardis history is a powerful warning for all of us. Notice Revelation 3 verse 5. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. We have to be overcomers. We have to put out sin. We have to do what God tells us to do in his law. And then Christ will talk about us to the father and he'll praise us to the father. What a reward that is if we can avoid the mistakes of Sardis. And instead of being a spiritually dead church era, we can be dynamically alive supporters of God's work. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time 